Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Hey, we don't have a lot of time tonight for long introductions. I will tell you a quick story. Um, who has their camp girlfriend or boyfriend already? Just admit it. It's, it's cool. You can do it. Shame-free zone. See, I love this. Now, let me just tell you, I know you came, and you came just to meet with Jesus, and that was all that was on your mind, and you're not worried about how you look tonight, and then you came into this room. Some of you thought about like, what you were going to wear to like, impress everybody, and then you came in here, and we were doing like, hot yoga together, and you realized there's no way any of us are escaping looking like anything other than a puddle by the end of the night. You know what I'm talking about? We're going to smell so bad at the end of this evening. But this is where it's so magical, because this is how God works. It doesn't matter how bad you smell. It doesn't even matter how awful you look. Because this is, I I know that I serve a God of miracles because when I was in eighth grade, I was a no good pothead in the church parking lot smoking down with my cousin Jay, who's also no good. He never really turned good. He's still no good. But anyway, and I, like this guy in a VW bus rolled up with like tie-dye curtains, and like it was purple on the bottom and white on the top. And this is my thought, because out of it steps this bearded individual with long hair. And I don't know why, but my, this is my thought. My thought was legitimately, Jesus is here <laughs> right now to do drugs with me. <laughs> and he walked up, he walked up to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm standing there, I'm an idiot, and I'm, I don't know where I'm going with my life and everything. And I said to Jesus, do you want to smoke this marijuana? And this is what Jesus said. Now, I later learned that Jesus was a man named Brock. And he wasn't Jesus at all, but not even Jesus. I mean, he's just nothing like Jesus, Brock. But Brock, who I thought was Jesus, this is what he said. He said, you don't have anything that I need. But I know what you need. Put the drugs down and come in and give your life to Jesus. Now, can we just time out for a second? That is the dumbest line I've ever heard. That's not supposed to work. Ladies, you know. You've heard the lines before, right? Like, did you just fall out of heaven? Is God missing an angel? I read this on the internet, and I'm going to try it on you. Second day of camp. Gentlemen, those lines work on day four of camp, not on day two. Come on. But it worked on me. It totally worked. I'm like, yep, I need Jesus in my life right now. So I followed him inside the church, and I gave my life to Jesus right there, like in front of the whole church. He stopped the church service, and he said, Pastor, we got this kid. And then my cousin, who was with me, was like, what about me? And he said, Jesus can't help you. That's what he said. I don't know. And he, he can't. But... Um, my cousins without hope, but I'm sorry. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't raise him. I mean, somebody else did. Don't get mad at me about it. You make your choices in life, but um, he, this is where it gets good, okay? You now, stick with me. In that group of people, in the group of people that I came in and out of the church service was this blonde girl, and this is why I'm telling you the story. This blonde girl, and I remember seeing her out of the corner of my eye and being like, like, you know, you ever see the thing where you like, you look and then you look, and you don't want to look a third time because you're afraid you're going to get caught. You know what I mean? You're like, oh. 
And I was like, okay. And so I asked my friend, who's that girl? Who is she? And he was like, don't worry about it. She'll never talk to you. She's so far above you, she won't even know you're alive. And I'm like, you're, and, and here's the thing, it was totally true. But then I heard one of my first messages ever on prayer and fasting. Like, I'm coming to this church, I'm new to this Jesus thing, and this is what I said. I'm like, all right, we'll try the prayer and fasting thing. I did. I said, I'm like, I'm just going to pray and fast till she says she'll go out with me. We've been married for 18 years. We have three children. Okay? That's what I'm talking about, boys. It's all right. She still doesn't know. She, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. She doesn't know who she's married to. God's still working the magic. She still thinks I'm handsome. Miracles, gentlemen. Do you see what I'm talking about? You too can fight above your weight class, boys. You just got to learn to pray. You can do it. It's not over for you. Don't give up. Man, I'm such a nerd. I, I know all the Star, Star Wars movies by heart. I'm such a nerd. I read, I read Tolkien's books every year just for fun. There's, I have no reason to be married to her, but I am. But um, anyway, so I hope that we can help you encounter God this weekend. That's what I want to do. I love John's gospel because John wrote his gospel because he felt the need for later generations to meet his friend Jesus. So he's like, what? If I had to tell people that never got to meet the guy about the guy, what stories would I tell so they would learn to know the guy? And that's what he tells us in the end. He says that he strategically selected his stories. He said, John says this, I could have told you stories about my friend Jesus that would fill all the volumes in all the libraries in all of the world. That's how many stories I have. But I've handpicked the stories that I have so that you may know my friend Jesus the Son of God, the Christ. So that's what we're going to do this week. I'm going to paint you pictures that, that, that really we're going to draw, and we're going to look at these beautiful portraits that John paints of Jesus, because I hope that, that you can get to know the, the real Jesus, because there's this really sneaky and destructive belief about Jesus that kind of creeps in on us sometimes, and here's the problem. Here's what I want you to do with me this week. We're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to have so much fun here at the ranch. This is sacred ground, okay? When we cross this bridge and you come into this space, let this be a sacred space this week, okay? Because we're going to explore this. I want you to be willing to relearn your paradigm. I want you to understand that maybe the thing you think you know about God is the very thing that's keeping you from learning what there really is to learn about God. It might be the stuff you think you know, and you, your grandma told you one time, and so you believed it all these years, and we have, we have stinking thinking when it comes to our paradigm of who God is and who Jesus is, and as I've learned to walk in Christ, and I have two degrees in New Testament studies, and here's what I find, and I preach, I'm, I'm, I'm a church planter, I'm a pastor of Terraforma Church in Northern Virginia, I find that even people that have been following Jesus for a very long time have a very low level of biblical literacy, they don't actually know what he's like. They know like a, like, a, like a cultural caricature of him instead. And so let's abandon that. Let's get to know him. So here, here's the deal. Let me tell you, this is how John starts, and it's coincidentally how the entire Bible starts. It's the very first picture we get of God. And so I'm going to start reading in John chapter 1. Here it is. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
So he's there. He's at the very dawn of existence itself when the universe is being spoken into existence. This is, this is him. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. Life. And that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Listen to this. This is so beautiful. From the very beginning, from the very start, we learned this idea. And I know what you're already thinking. See, what you're doing right now is you're saying something like, well, God is the creator, and that means he created everything. And there was these seven days, and there was this creation and creation, and you're, you're, you're layering all these bricks on top of this thing that you've got this foundation. Remember I told you just forget what you thought you knew? Because I think that your relationship with creation maybe is a little goofy and a little weird. Because I don't know, we, we get in all kinds of goofy things. We grind agendas about this versus that and origin of species and all kinds of crazy stuff. This picture that the Bible paints of God as a maker, God as creator, God in his sovereignty, in his artistry, taking chaos and bringing beauty of taking brokenness and disorder and somehow ordering it in this masterful and beautiful and powerful way. I don't think we give enough airtime to the artistry of God. He's a maker. He's a creator. He's an artist. And, and this is where I think we get really messed up because I think deep down in your heart, deep down, somewhere on your subconscious level, a lot of the stupid things that you do are because you have these nagging, unanswered questions deep in your heart about whether or not you are enough, about whether or not you are loved, about whether or not you are acceptable. And we do all kinds of goofy, ridiculous things in the pursuit to answer these nagging, deep questions. But if we could settle this issue, if we can understand how it is that God, the master artist, approaches you and longs to have a relationship with you and wants to connect with you and is pursuing you, in this artistic and beautiful and masterful way that, that if he was a composer, you would be his opus. That if, if, if he was a painter, you are his masterpiece. That if he's a potter, you are the clay. If, you, if, if he is a writer, you are the story that he is putting on. He, he, he's, he's investing this awesome movement of hope and life and redemption. And it's through you he does his very best work. It's you. We, we mess this up so bad. Listen to this in Proverbs chapter 8. And I'm going to, I promise I will only throw like 10 Greek and Hebrew words at you so I can thoroughly prove to you that I went to seminary, okay? That's just because I'm inadequate and I do this to teach you that I'm smart and um, that's just, you need to look impressed when I do it and it'll make me feel better about myself and I sleep better at night, okay? All right, here we go. So um, there's a couple Hebrew words and they're great to say, so we're gonna say them here, but this is in, in Proverbs 8 and here's what I want you to see. Now I think, now I don't, I'll tell you, I don't think the author of this proverb knew he was writing about Jesus, but I think he's writing about Jesus. And I'm just going to say, because I have Bible degrees and you probably don't, that he's writing about Jesus. And you're just going to go, yes. yes. Just trust me. I think he is. Let's listen. Here's what he says. Now, I think on one level it's about wisdom personified. On another level it's about Jesus, who is the word that existed before time and he's wisdom, so I'm right. Okay, here we go. 
Just, just trust me. Then, this is in Proverbs 8. Then, and he means that creation is what he's talking about. Then, I was the craftsman. Oh, man, that's, that's a cool word. You ever thought of God like that? Think about this for a second. You know the guy that tinkers with the old car in his garage? Like for, he's like, he gets all excited about like hubcaps and hood ornaments and he's on eBay all the time. Who else, who's on eBay for real? Like, come on, man, we've moved on from eBay. eBay's like where you go to find lecherous people. But anyway, um, he, he, he can't wait. He's, he's like in there, man. He's like hunting down these things and he goes into like whoopee bull junkyards looking for the right part and he finds the right part and he gets the right thing and he's like, you know what I just found? And everyone's like, what? The original door handles from our 1963 Chrysler New Yorker. And we're like, well, who cares? And he's like, it was the first car with central air conditioning. And everybody in this house said, amen. That's so good. Best invention of the modern era, air conditioning. Anyway. He's a craftsman. He can't wait to tinker with it. He's, he's an artist at work. There at creation, I was the craftsman or artisan at his side. And I was filled with delight day after day. Say delight. delight. Now let me teach it to you in Hebrew. Say sha'ashuim. Sha'ashuim. I had a girl who just named her dog that. It lasted for 72 hours and she changed his name to general. I'm, that's, that's a true story. I'm going to name my dog Sha'ashuim because the meaning is so cool. And then she was like, I can't say that more than like three times in a year. I, that's, that's ridiculous. What's his new name? General. Well, I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, okay. Sha'ashuim is this beautiful word, and it used to be translated as laughter. But they had a hard time because people, it, it made it sound like God was laughing at us. And it's not that God's laughing at us. It's that God is laughing with delight in us. You feel the difference there? Like, I'm not laughing at you to ridicule you. I am delighting in you. I find so much joy in you. I find so much pleasure in you and your story, in your life, in your existence, in, in your presence. Listen, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. Say, Mahasaket. Mahasaket, again, there's this other word there for, for like a giggle. Mahasaket is like, have you ever seen a child get the giggles at an inappropriate moment? And you're just like, you need to be quiet right now. And he's like, <laughs> okay, that's this word, mahasaket. Okay, this is, um, you, you know when David dances, it says that David danced before the ark of the Lord with all his might? Mahasaket. Okay, this is like unbridled, it's like party time. It's, this is like, I can't wait to rejoice. It's this, it's this bubbling up from within you. It's this, it's this uncontrollable, unleashing thing. And you guys all look way too mature for me, so I brought a clip. I'm going to have my five-year-old son help us out. So this is my five-year-old son and his friend, and um, she's four. And they, uh, I don't know how this started, but one of them said the word juicy, and <laughs> They just, they, they decided that's the funniest thing they've ever heard. So, um, watch this. Wait for it. 
There it is. Okay, they, they go on for like 10 more minutes, but we're going to cut it off. Okay. This is what we miss. We are so worried that we paint God as the source of all life so we can believe the correct things about him and we can make sure that our doctrines are all in line and we put God in his proper box and we understand how to frame him inappropriately. And so we have lists of things to believe about God and lists of things we shouldn't believe about God and these are the correct things and we call these orthodoxy and these are the incorrect things and we call these heresy and then these other things we have to do because we believe this, we have to behave this way. So there's orthodoxy and there's orthopraxy and this is, this is heresy and this is, this is immorality and we have to make sure that we get it all right and make sure that we can and behave the correct way because God ultimately is a rule giver in the sky who requires from us obedience. Or, 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 he's, a, he's an artisan. He's a craftsman. He delights in you. He's a maker with his own Etsy shop and you are the featured product. He just can't wait to show the world what he's doing in your story. And this is the best thing he does. This, this, is, this is the thing that, that only God does. And, and you see it best in the person of Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, look carefully at the person of Jesus. If you want to know what God wants from you, listen carefully to the message of Jesus. Jesus shows us something about God. And it's, I mean, it's here. It's all through the story. It is the gospel. It is the overflowing redemptive potential of this, this life that displaces death, this beauty that erases brokenness, this power that overcomes your imperfection. It is the gospel of Jesus. It is that the life that he provides, it's the work that he does in you will overflow out of you into this world and redemption will unleash a story that will display the chaos caused by sin and human rebellion. That, that yes, the world is broken and it's broken beyond our ability to repair. But in that same story, we also have a craftsman, an artist, and he is the architect of redemption on a level we will never understand. And he delights in doing it. He loves it. That God can't wait to get to work on you. See, I think we get screwed up because I think that sometimes we believe about God. We have to twist his arm and we have to somehow coax him into like, you know, like, hey, I, I just want to get your attention like me and my wife before I prayed and fasted. You know? I was like, hey, we have, re well, this is a true story. I, I was like in her life since we were, I was in eighth grade. She was an older woman. Just saying. Um, she's a year, a month, and two days older than me. Yeah, right? Baller. Anyway, so um, in eighth grade, I was like, I'm trying to like be around her all the time, and she's ignoring me, and I'm trying to like be around her even more. She's still ignoring me. I'm trying to like be around her even more. So I was like, one time after we were married, I was like, remember that time we were in the subway in Russia, and we were like friends, and she was like, yeah, I remember being in the subway in Russia, but you weren't there. And I was like, I totally was there. I have a photo. And she's like, no, Josh was there, and Adam was there. 
but you definitely weren't there. And I was like, I was totally there. I asked her, my favorite pictures, honey? And she's like, You're not, show me the picture. So I pulled the picture out. Now, here's what I want you to see. From my perspective, this is a memory we had together. Okay? I'm in the photo. I am. It's like her, Josh, Adam. And she's like, and they're, they're kind of leaning into her. And I'm like back here. I'm like, hey, guys. Um, that's me. That's me. Um, that's me. Yep. But here. <laughs> okay. That's how you approach God. Like, I got to get his attention. I got to, like, somehow get there. Throw that out. That's part of your broken paradigm. Throw, throw it in the garbage. You, you're not chasing God. You're not even looking for him. You don't even know what that means. He's chasing you. He's been pursuing you. He longs to be near you. He's not hiding. It's not a mystery. Some of you are like, if I could only just connect with God. You, you have to understand, he has done all the work. He has done all the distance crossing. The chasm between you has been bridged. Everything that was between you has been answered. All that junk that separated you from God has been nailed to Jesus on the cross. It's dealt with. It's done. It's finished. It's over. It's out of here. It's gone. It's a non-issue. There is no barrier between you and God except in your own head. He loves you. He delights in you. He laughs and giggles at the thought of being near you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to encounter you. He wants you to encounter him. You were made by him. You were made for him, for his pleasure, for his delight. And here's the thing. You were made to do incredible things through him because you will come alive in him in such a remarkable, beautiful, all, it's, un, it's a mind-blowing thing. When you can get your head around this, you will become a version of yourself you didn't know was possible because what is dead inside of you will die and what's alive inside of you will rise up and all of a sudden will be ignited by the Spirit of God and you'll go live into a story and you'll look at yourself and go, what is going on right now? And the whole time, here's God being like... <laughs> yes. When was the last time you imagined God smiling and dancing? and leaping, and laughing over you. I got two thoughts and we're done. God's heart toward you is delight, not disappointment. He is not disappointed in you. I know, I know. We go, our whole church experience is how bad we are as sinners. Listen, everybody is like, oh, here we go again Wednesday night. Got to repent. Did you guys ever hear this one? I don't know if, where you go to church, but where I went to church, it, every single week was like, if you got hit by a bus tonight on your way home. I thought buses were going to be a much bigger problem in life than they really are. <laughs> I grew up wondering when the bus was going to come and send me to meet Jesus. And it was like, if I had one unconfessed sin, I was out of here. And I'd be like, every time a bus came, I'd be like, everybody look, there's a, I just want everyone to see the bus. Beware of the bus. My, then we got a new youth pastor, and he was all in a Mack truck. Same illustration, but it was a Mack truck. If a Mack truck hits you on the way home to church tonight, you go meet Jesus. I'm like, man, that's even worse than a bus. What's wrong with these people? Okay, What if we have this wrong? What if he delights in you? Let me give you one more illustration. My dad, incredible man, 
small problem, and I don't want to make light of addiction issues. If you have a parent with a real addiction problem, I don't want to make light of this. My dad's addiction is going to seem trivial to you if you have a real problem, but I think it's an issue with my dad. And his addiction, he has one issue in his life, and it is with ice cream. He has an issue with ice cream, but I'll tell you, I've seen The Notebook, I've seen the movie Up, they were both good love stories, but you've never seen a love story like my dad and some moose tracks, okay? You have never seen such a passionate affair of the heart as my dad sitting down, and this is what he does, he puts it in a coffee mug, because he thinks after 60 years of life on this earth, he can deceive most of the world if he carries his ice cream around in a coffee mug, they'll think he's drinking coffee, Dad, you're not fooling anyone. Don't tell him. But he takes a bite. You ever, you ever watch somebody who truly loves food? He truly. Some people say, you need to eat to survive. I get it. But you, don't, you know what I'm talking about. There's someone, and they make sounds like, mmm. Like multiple syllables in their size. It's like, oh. You're like, what is happening over there right now? That seems, I'm, I, feel, this feels, I feel like you should be alone. You need some privacy with that ice cream? I don't know what's going on, okay? What if, listen, what if, what if that's how God feels about you? He loves you. He can't wait to be with you. He delights in you. He's not disappointed in you. He longs to be near you. And you know what? Here's the, here's the, craziest, the craziest thing. He knows who you actually are. And he sees you at your very worst. And this is the best part, the Apostle Paul says, Though you are a mess, he loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. This is, this is yeah, Paul, Paul calls us God's poemar, his handiwork. We are his masterpiece. We're the thing in his hands he can't wait to work on, his project. We are prepared. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's so beautiful. Number two, and then we're, we're, we're out of here tonight. God's plan for you, his plan for you is driven by artistry, not by anger. You were made by God. You were made for God. You were made for his plan, for his purpose. But listen to me. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I first went to church camp, I, I kind of got the rhythm of, of how this works. And someone told me, like, Monday night is this, and Tuesday night is this, and Thursday night is this. And at this particular traditional church camp, there was one night for all those who were called into ministry. It was like a, there was a night, and we were going to, like, rally everybody up to, like, fill the pool of people who want to be pastors someday. Because here's the truth about being a pastor. The pay sucks. Um, you're not very well appreciated. And they have to somehow manipulate you into doing this job. Some of you are looking at me like, that's heavy. I'm kidding. I think this is the best thing I've ever, I mean, people pay me for this. I just don't, I love every minute of it. But anyway, um, you couldn't, you couldn't make me do something else. But in all actuality, some of you are afraid of God's plan because you kind of wonder like, well, does that mean I'll miss out? Like, if, if I go the way of God, like, well, isn't he kind of like the great buzzkill of all buzzkills? What Bible do you read? Like, where in the history of, of, of Jesus followers have you ever heard anyone being like, I am so disappointed in that decision I made to come alive in Christ Jesus? 
You will, you will not meet those people. You, and if you do, let me just tell, I'll just give you a little clue. If you meet somebody that is so curmudgeon and so grumpy, here's a little secret. They've never met Jesus. Not the real one. They have some crusty caricature they've been parading around calling him Jesus, but that's not him. It never was him. He is the author of abundant, overflowing, unbelievable, boundary-breaking, paradigm-shattering, story-disrupting, yet redemption-authoring love and life. He is good. His plan for you is artistry, not anger. He wants to take the broken bits of you and make them beautiful. He wants to take the greatest mess of your story because he sees in you not only who you have been and who you currently are, but who you could be with his help. And I'm telling you, when you come alive in him, the world will look at you and it will marvel at the person you have become because the beauty of Jesus will radiate from inside of you and overflow into this world and it is good. It is good. Man, God delights in you. He's not disappointed in you. God loves you. This week, I want you to connect with God in a real and authentic way. And I know some of you, you got like 16 layers of cynicism and you came in here all angry. I was you. I avoided church so much, I was in the parking lot. And Brock, who looked like Jesus, had to trick me to come inside, okay? Then I stayed because of the blonde girl. I'll just be real honest with you. And somewhere along the way, I realized all the things I've been looking for, I thought it was, I thought I knew God's been looking for me. And he knew exactly what he's doing. He knows why you're here this week. You're going to have so much fun at River Valley Ranch. These people are amazing. They're artists at work. Let them create an experience. And, and here's what I'm going to tell you. Find the courage to go all in. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Show up, God. In delight, in artistry, Reveal your heart, reveal your nature, reveal your character. Let us throw away our paradigm that limits you. Let us let you out of the box of our limitations. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.